This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns Clan. I forgot my name. (laughs) At Burns Clan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the founder of The Witness, this dude, I'm telling you, he's pocket squares. Listen, the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Dr. Jamar Tisby. You can also follow me at your own risk, at Jamar Tisby. I feel like Tyler gets a plug every single episode. Well, I just so inserted it in. do my own thing. So at Jamar Tisby. It's not like Tisby I'm swimming in followers. It's fine. Listen. Facebook.com hold slash Jamar Tisby, the number The guy one. with 60 or 70,000 Twitter followers is like, I, I, I want you to follow me. I'm just saying. I just want equal billing. That's all. Yeah, exactly. I just want equity. <laughs> well, I want equity, okay? Put me on. Listen, y'all. We are excited to be back with you once again. want to acknowledge if you are watching us. Thank you so much, YouTube audience, for watching us. You can watch us on YouTube. Somebody's watching me. Yeah. I got no privacy. Okay. I'm on YouTube. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So information about that is in the show notes if you are listening on podcasts. Look, man, we talking about silly stuff. Yeah. Did you see... That clip of the dude in church singing, I think it was Paul Morton's Open the Floodgates of Heaven, Let It Rain. And he said, this riff, he said, I'm moist. Do you remember that joint? Oh, that's... Yo! You can't unsee that or unhear that. You can't unsee it and unhear it. And it made me think about all the weird stuff that be going on. In church sometimes. Yes, yes, yes. The stuff that you really can't explain, the stuff that you look back on and you're like, what? Okay, so number one, if you if we're talking about in the last year, number one is, is the guy who said I'm moist. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. He's at your own risk. He's trying no, but he's trying to be spiritual. Yes. So he's trying to riff off of, you know, it was like a moment. It was a moment for for him. him. He was getting what he needed in that moment from God. Okay. It was a personal relief. He forgot other people were there with him. Sometimes when God speaks to your spirit, the words Uh, the words don't even come out right, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. But he was getting what he needed in that moment. Okay, so number two. Um, and this is, I guess, less funny, but it's still wild. Have you seen the clip of the dude who just starts, walks up to a pastor on the front row, starts fighting? I was just about to say that one. Bro. Yes. Dude is preaching up there. Looks like a totally normal, like televised church service. And then you see this one guy, you say one guy sitting, you see one guy walking in yeah. front of him, turns around and Bust him straight in the face. The other dude who just got hit gets up. Yeah, it's he a starts fight. rumbling. It's he starts rumbling. Right in and the, the other front dude's one row. of the pastors. Okay, so be honest. What would you do in that scenario? I've I've actually thought about this because I feel like people are gonna try us. So I'm <laughs> like, what, what am I gonna do in that scenario? So what would you do in that scenario? I mean, scenario? you gotta stop the service. You gotta call the deacons, the whomever. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Pause. If you the one getting swung on. Oh, if I got swung? Yeah. 
Jamar's a, Jamar actually was a boxing champion. I was going to say, like, the reflex might kick in on that one. Jamar I was might a boxing not champion. be responsible for my actions. But here's the, here's the wild part to get all historical on it. King got stolen. Yeah. on a stage yeah. and and did not react because he 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 took nonviolence so seriously so i don't know if i take nonviolence that seriously i mean <laughs> i'm not kidding i guess at the very least you you you, you cover up you know whatever i don't know bro i probably level change on the guy because i gotta get the fight to the ground i gotta get the fight <laughs> you to would, the ground you would start grappling elbows. yeah gotta get the grapple so if he's going high he's gonna do this i'm a i'm a lean back level change get him on the ground elbows it's got to be. I'm sorry. It's in the not? suit, like he's going through the moves. Look, I gotta do. think. I gotta think through this because I feel like I, I put I'd away your sword, chance. brother. Put away your no, sword. No, but that's kind of a neutralization <laughs> thing. You can kind of exercise ground control and keep the person from hurting themselves or somebody else. And I feel like if I start duking, I've got good reach. But it's just like you. You don't want to get into a. You don't want to duke. I in, think people are just church. already. Well, yeah, but you know it's. <laughs> You have to ask these questions. Y'all don't... Do y'all go to black churches? Is this a thing? Have y'all not seen fights break out in church? I have. I've been there. You've seen a fight break yes. out in church during okay, the service. Okay, all, right, all right, hold on, hold wow. on. I got to tell you the story now. Wow. Now you bring it Now you bring it to me. Now I okay. got to tell you the story. Okay, so this is what happened. <laughs> it's so funny. I was the only pastor in town for this particular service. So I was a youth pastor at the time, and it took me a while before I actually was preaching from the stage on a Sunday morning. So I preached for our youth services, but it took me a while before I was preaching on the stage. And so when people are like, oh, you got so many opportunities, it's like, no, I had to wait a long time. I had to wait probably four years of being a youth pastor before I could preach one time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and Mm -hmm. then I'll preach maybe once, maybe twice a year. So this was when I was about six or seven years in, and they trusted me enough to be like, okay, you run so many systems here. You oversee so many systems. We can be gone. So they were gone. I think it might have been my parents' anniversary. So they were gone. And then our assistant pastor at the time was gone too. So he was out. I I think he was taking, I think it was a medical situation or something that had happened. And so they're like, yo, can you preach? You're going to be by yourself. You're going to preach. And you're also going to need to like lead the service. And so I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, it's no problem. I'll bring some other people up. Like, we'll make it work. And so we're planning off a service, everything. They're like, are you sure? Like, you're going to be here by yourself. I'm like, yeah, of course. It's no problem. So I preached, everything was going well, came down, you know, I'm, I'm talking with different people and stuff like that. And um, so I'm talking with people and I'm kind of leaning back in, I'm standing up and I'm leaning back on the seat kind of with my arms crossed and I'm talking and laughing with people, you know, and my back is to the front. Mm. And then all of a sudden I hear someone say, Tyler, Tyler. And I'm like, and so I turned around and people's face changed. And so I turned around real quick just to see um, an older man. Uh, yeah, deck one of the young dudes. Just what? and he hit him twice, real solid. What? Real solid. In and the, the young dude didn't in the face. Real solid. The young dude didn't didn't react. He just kind of stumbled back a little bit, and he didn't fight back. So he had his hands behind his back. So he was like, no, 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 no. And so he, so, so nobody moves, right? So nobody moves because the older dude is is like getting ready to take his jacket off. Whoa. So old dude's getting ready to take his jacket off. Nobody moves. So I'm like, hey, no. So I'm like looking around because this older man right there, bigger dudes than me. I'm like, yo, y'all step in. Y'all ushers. Like, what's, <laughs> what's up? Are you waiting? So I hold him back, get him off. And I'm like, nah, we not going to do that. I looked at him. I said, yo, you good? He said, yeah. So I took him. I took him all the way out. 
um, into the back, took him into the, the back. The young guy. The old guy. The old guy. Took him into the back. I'm like, what in the world's going on? So it was a scenario I won't get into, but he was alleging something had happened that had not been confirmed mm. as it relates to his daughter. So mm. it was not confirmed. And so I was like, okay, like what's going on? Because they were dating at the time. So the young man and his and the older man's daughter were dating at the time. So I was like, listen, I don't care what happened or didn't happen. You can't be swinging on people in church. <laughs> like, like, so here's what happened was somebody, I don't know who, but somebody in the church, and I still to this day do not know who, and I do not know why they did this, but somebody in the church called the cops. Oh, I'm, look, man. And, and, and look, y'all you, you, see, y'all see? Anti-black, do not call the cops. If, if you can de-escalate the situation and no one is hurt, do not call the police. What are y'all doing? So now I got two police officers rolling up walking past me like we need to see the pastor i'm like i'm the pastor and they're like okay uh of course i'm like man so now i gotta deal with these dudes and the microaggressions oh wow and so anyway you know we worked it all out no charges were filed nothing happened and in that situation from that point to like a i want to say nine months there were like three either fights or good almost fights goodness and i was in the middle of all of them Cause it was always the same. It was the same group of people. Oh my! So they kept going to church together. Yeah. Well, I mean, eventually one got restraining order. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so you know what I was thinking about? I, I tell these stories. Okay, this is real black church. If y'all ain't had this, come on, y'all. Y'all know y'all be having some people that be fighting. I've Usually at group. funerals. I was not expecting the funerals? church service because uh, I mean, you have this hodgepodge of people, and especially in Whoa. in cases where it's a violent death. Yeah. Then you oh, actually no, no, have no. Folks of course, of course. Yeah. On different sides. Yeah. So, yeah. but in a church service, that's like wow. But I'll say this too. Uh, It was either 1961 or 62 at the National Baptist Convention. Somebody got killed. Oh yeah, dude who fell off the stage. Yes, yes. And broke his neck when they were get when they were arguing about Progressive Baptist National Baptist. Yes. So they were arguing about who would be the next president. Joseph H. Jackson had held it for years and years and years. They had he had already used some like you know parliamentary maneuvers to get around the term limits and everything. So so the more progressive faction, which wanted to be more active in the civil rights movement, um lodged a protest and basically sort of barged into, I mean, they were there, but they had an organized uh, um, movement to get to the front of the stage and onto the platform and move to have a, have a vote on the next uh, president. Well, there was a scuffle. I mean, these are dozens and dozens of people involved, right? So the progressive faction is trying to get onto the stage. The more conservative faction is already up there. There's a jostling. There's a guy, there's like rows and rows of, of pastors on the stage. There's a guy, an older guy who gets up. He was a pastor from Michigan and there's like a curtain backdrop behind the platform. Mm -hmm. Well, in the pushing and jostling, he gets pushed back and he he puts out his hand thinking it's a wall and it's as a curtain. And so he falls three or four feet off the platform, fractures his skull, is in the hospital for the next couple of days and ultimately succumbs to his injuries and dies. This is what I will say, though, bro. Baptists don't Baptist fight. (laughs) Baptist battle. Baptist. Yes. Baptist fight. (laughs) Okay, y'all fight. Okay, y'all y'all throw hands. <laughs> Pentecostals, yeah, sometimes. AME, I ain't never seen an AME person fight. 
Has an AME person ever fought? Decently and in order. I don't know. Presbyterian? I don't know. They seem, no, I just say AME seems very refined. Like y'all seem like y'all are the elite blacks. So I'm just like, look, just, we, we, we the oldest in here. Look, you know, AME, we go back. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't feel, I feel like they passed that, that phase. They went through that fighting phase <laughs> with white folks and then they just passed it. But Baptists, y'all fight. Pentecostals will fight if provoked. <laughs> but I feel like I'm serious. Wow. Anyway, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up Please, because bring it home. Look, I'm bringing this up because there are situations and times where we feel secondhand embarrassment from fellow black family members, mm. from fellow black community members, mm. and also fellow black Christians. It, you know how sometimes it, it, it is when you're out in public, and this is very insider black convo. Very much so. This is how when you're out in public, you see somebody wilding out, they loud, you're like, here we go. We we can't go, we can't go nowhere. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's important for us to talk about the fact that sometimes we feel ashamed of our own. Mm. And sometimes we feel ashamed. We feel a secondhand embarrassment for how we act, what we've done, what we haven't done, what we've been caught doing, mm. all the above. And I sense so much, especially in a time of social media, that we look at our faith traditions with shame. Mm. And we look at our faith traditions. And look down upon them because our human frailties and complexities are shown in moments that are unbecoming. And then they're plastered on on social media and then they right. go viral. And then people use those as jumping off points to talk about the entirety of the church or black Christian thought or black Christians. And I think it's important for us to to first of all say that this is not just something that is done when it comes to black pathology. This is also something that is done when it comes to black expression. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. the ways in which we shout, the ways in which we sing, the ways in which we express ourselves are often critiqued and held to a standard of cultural inferiority. Yes. And so people look at them, especially in white culture, and they say, why can't they be more refined? That these are savage expressions. I've told this story before on the, um, on the podcast, but there was a guy who, um, in our church association at that time, which is not our church, church association now, but at that time, we were the only black church, and we were kind of floating around because we had left a black denomination because um, it was weird. And so we had left that denomination, so we just had some place to land. Mm -hmm. And so they held a, kind of their national conference at our church, and we did a step team Whoa, situation. Okay. You know, So we did step team. We did our own worship, everything. Beautiful. And it was beautiful. It was really powerful. Yeah. Like, And you could tell people were a lot of people were moved by it. But a guy came up and asked, why are y'all doing, at the end, he said, why are y'all doing the, that primal, like, Did step he team? Use he the used word the word primal. primal. Yeah, it just seemed a little primal. And and it was weird because I just was, I look back at, I remember Malina was standing next to me. I look back at Malina, I was like, did you hear him say that? You <laughs> may as well have said primitive. <laughs> right. You know? I was like, I don't know about primal, man. Like, what you talking about? You know, I'm trying not you to may turn as up well on have said, why y'all bringing our jungle music here? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, but I'm saying, if it may not be that explicit, but I'm saying that's often what we yeah. experience, yeah. especially when that expression can't be commodified mm. and it can't be, can't be replicated. Used. It can't be replicated. Yeah. It can't be used as a, as a monetizing scheme. To make a white church feel a little bit blacker, huh? <laughs> and, and That's a whole episode by itself. Yes, we need to do that. But <laughs> you know, I think I think, man, I just my heart is for black Christians. You know, last year and a couple of years ago, I, I've been doing this series where I talk talk to black Christians, and I specifically give you encouragement. So I talk about how black Christians are important. You're not shields or stools. 
Um, black Christians don't negotiate your dignity. And I really want to encourage you in this moment, black Christians, we have nothing to be ashamed of. Mm. We don't have anything to be ashamed of. Like our tradition, who we are as people and where God has brought us from and where God has taken us to should not be a, that complicated, complex journey with all its flaws and faults should not be something that we import onto ourselves as shame when we think about our faith expressions, that we don't have to adjust or modify ourselves to be more palatable and pleasing to people around us, that we can actually receive who we are in all of our embodied uniqueness and believe that that's that's how God made us. That's Mm. how God created us. And I think sometimes we just have that that sense for whatever reason. Let's take a break. I want to get back into this, though. I want to get back into this. I know that went a little long, but I want to get back into this because I think there's some reasons why this happened. So we'll be right back after this. Hey, folks, Jamar Tisby here, and I am so grateful for your support, your listening, your engagement with the Pass the Mic podcast. I'm wondering if this podcast has been helpful to you, challenging, encouraging, if you would consider becoming a paid subscriber to the podcast for as little as $1 an episode. You can help keep this good work going. Just visit patreon.com slash pass the mic. That's patreon.com slash pass the mic. We appreciate you for your support. So, Jamar, I've been talking about this concept so far of black Christians we have nothing to be ashamed of. And I'm trying to express ways in which we feel like we have a reason to be ashamed Mm -hmm. and what would make us feel this shame. Historically, have black Christians felt this shame? (laughs) (laughs) So, first off, I'm wondering, like, in all of podcastum, has this topic been addressed as a full mm. episode? I think this is really interesting and unique and important. And like you said, we we this is this is this is very inside black. Very this talk. is very past the mic. This yes, is very past the, the mic. So very good topic. Shout out. All right. So um, I think of historically, we have been forced into our own communities. Mm-hmm. because of legal segregation, racism, race-based child slavery, right? So I feel like it was within that context that we developed what has become the black church tradition and black yes. church practices. And so there was no shame there because it was literally indigenous to our community. It up, rose up out of our communities and our experiences apart from the white gaze. Right. Right. We had our own churches, our own neighborhoods, our own prayer life, our own disciplines, right? And it wasn't until there was more scrutiny mm-hmm. by white people through mm-hmm. all kinds of means, through desegregation, through the internet and the digital age and, and more access to, to other people doing things, mm-hmm. that it probably even crossed our mind. Although there's always been the strand of, of respectability, right? Exactly, exactly. There's always been the strand of we need to do things like white people do in yes. order to gain credibility. Yes. Uh, so I feel like that 
could be mm-hmm. akin to what we're talking about today, but it's reached a new level because there's much greater scrutiny and exposure beyond yeah. the black church. One of the the uh, statements that always brings up a red flag for me is when people say, man, we're the only people group that, man, we the only culture that be tearing down our own. We the only culture that be, and I always sit back, I'm like, What? So are you telling me we have unique pathology? What have you <laughs> right. internalized? <laughs> what are you yes. talking about? Yes. Like you're telling me we have unique pathology? You're, you're talking about this in a negative context? You think this is a Jeremiah moment for you? Mm. This ain't hidden. This ain't given what you think is given. Mm. Like it's not hidden the way you think it's hidden. Because it's, it's usually te- in the context of do better black people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You think this is a, a message of self-improvement? Right. Right. Like, no, right. this is telling us we inferior. Mm. And there's something intrinsically, inherently inferior about us because we choose for it to be. And this goes back to 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 methodologies we've been talking yes, about. Yes, it is thinking that the methodology and therefore the practice of white Christians is somehow superior. Yeah, more godly, like yeah. they receive this divine yeah. revelation all to themselves that we have to emulate, and then it looks down on indigenous black church practices, right? Mm-hmm. So so for instance, the embodied expression of worship, yeah. Yeah. whether that's through the stomp team you were talking about, yeah. liturgical dance teams, yeah. shouting, hands up, praising, as, clapping. As much as I hate it, my ministry. You know? <laughs> <laughs> my ministry. You'd have to go through therapy, get get, get resolved on that Look, one. Look, man, I'm still, I'm working on it, okay? If you got a mime team, shout out to you. Um, Quietly. But 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 the implication, the unspoken sort of expectation is that stuff is beyond the pale. Right. That stuff is primal, you know. I'll tell you a story about how this worked itself out specifically for me that I've actually been reflecting on deeply um in recent years. Um when I was in college, I've only I've only been a part of two churches, an official member of two churches in my life, New Dimensions Christian Center and Thomas Road Baptist Church. Hmm. So actually I had a very high, you know, mindset of ecclesiology at that time. And so I didn't feel like I should be away from home and not be a member of a local church. That's in Virginia. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Jerry Falwell. Yeah. And so his son, Jonathan, was a pastor at the time and I believe still is. And I remember I started going there just because it was the, well, first I went to the campus church. And that was, it was very like depressing. Mm. So they would, you know, you go into the big Vine Center auditorium and all the lights would be off and they would, it would just be very like lamenting, very like emo. praise and worship would be very much. So it was a praise and worship wasn't worship, wasn't praise. It was just, you know, like, like worship, lament, crying out to God. I don't know. It just felt weird. And I went a couple of times. I'm like, this is, I don't know. This feels sad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm, wow. I'm, I need a lift for Sunday because yeah. I get this for chapel. So I need a lift for Sunday, you know? And so I started going to Thomas Road Baptist Church, but a lot of the black students were going to a church um, right off campus. And the reason I didn't go to the church is a theological conviction that I, I still hold. And that's that they were oneness, right? So they were oneness Pentecostals. So they believe that there's one God, but three expressions, Right. And so those, or excuse me, they would say manifestations. Mm -hmm. And those manifestations would be God the Father in creation, God the Son in salvation, God the Spirit in redemption, but not, not Not um, three in one. Three in one. Right. right? So it's different than the Trinitarian understanding that I'm, I'm Trinitarian. 
And so I really was very aggressive about, you know, nah, man, you you can't be no one. Nah, man, you're not, you're not even believing in the gospel, man, you know? And regardless of where you stand on whether or not those people are believing in the gospel, what I really didn't like about that church, if I'm honest, was it was super loud and expressive. Yeah. And Thomas Rowe was regimented. Yeah. And it had liturgy and it was a lift and it was well produced. And at the time, it was the fastest growing church in America. Mm. Mm. And so I was like, man, well, I guess Thomas Road is a better choice. It's the hotness. It's where the action. It's where the Holy Spirit is. Well, not really, because I mean, I knew, I knew intrinsically that the preaching was not good in comparison to what I had experienced. So it's not that the preaching wasn't good. It's just the preaching wasn't up to the standard that my father had set for years. Mm. I was like, man, my father's a better preacher. I didn't, I didn't realize it until I sat under him for like four weeks. I was like, this what y'all like? I was just thinking in my head, but I was like, oh, this is a solid church. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You can get into a group here. You can join the men's group here. You can be better. And the other church is loud and long, and they do those things. I'm not really trying to be seen there. And I was ashamed. And I remember I stepped in there once, and I never went back. Mm-hmm. But you know, I've been thinking, man, what 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 could I have been if I allowed myself to experience consistently the power of their Pentecostal expression? Yeah. And yeah. I allowed myself to consistently go. And even if I had theological objections, could have worked through that and been in an environment where I was actually challenged. Mm. And it was, wasn't as huge as Thomas Rowe Baptist Church. It's grown much bigger now. But it wasn't as big as Thomas Rowe Baptist Church. And maybe I would have been a, a little bit better known. And maybe some of the mistakes and dumb stuff I did when I was in college, I wouldn't have done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a lot more than, than the preaching. It's a lot more even than what happens on Sunday morning to, that goes into church. I just think about how... In our culture, black church practice can get so caricatured. Yeah. That um, if it comes across our screens or our airwaves or our our attention, a lot of times it might be the most extreme example of whatever it is you're talking about, right? Which makes it look then unsavory, undesirable, less spiritual. But I also say, man, I think. Those things are often submitted to Eurocentric interpretation. Well, that's what I was getting to is part of what makes it seem like a caricature is you're viewing it from a distance. Yeah. And it's not until you're in that congregation or you sat under that teaching that you actually understand the expression and where it comes from and how authentic it can be. So there's a caricaturing because it's through this Eurocentric lens that only understands Christian practice a certain way. But then there's also a distance that means I can't understand it as a participant would understand it, only as an observer who doesn't have the full context or story. You, you want to know what I think is the root of this? We think that more growth in Jesus, more maturity, means being more dignified. Mm. Mm. That's what it is. Whoa. So we think that as I progressively get more closely conformed to the image of Christ, I'm going to act more respectable. So we see, we don't think that as I get more mature in Christ, 
I'll, I'll be more expressive. Yeah, that is a great point. We think as I get more mature in Christ, I'll be less expressive and more controlled and contained. More stayed, more more stayed, somber. More, and and yeah. I've, I've talked about it recently. Like, I love the contemplative tradition. Sure, yeah. But I hold the contemplative tradition in tandem with my Pentecostal roots. Right. And as a matter of fact, what I've learned is as I've grown more mature, my praise has gone higher. My, my, my. That my full expression of worship is more involved. I do things now I would have never done. I'll run around the church. Mm. I'll get more because as I get closer to Jesus, I have an understanding of all that Jesus brought me from and through. And if you keep living long enough, what you what you experience is you go through some things that you literally think to yourself beyond cliche, oh, if it had not been for the Lord on my side. Right. For real. Right. <laughs> like not not in the not in the oh yeah well we say that on Sunday and we get a nice little golf clap no I'm talking about for real I need help I needed someone to get me out of the situation yeah I needed crazy mercy I needed provision I needed something that would blow my mind and God showed up so now I'm gonna give God that type of praise mm. because I recognize I couldn't have gotten myself out of that mm. but I think the perspective is and I'm not saying it's the same for everybody but I think our assumption is. Oh, well, the deeper I get into the word, I'm just going to want some more solid. Yeah. And the meat is when you tone it down. And it's very um, interesting on multiple levels. One, might not it be true in reverse that a sign of distance from God is less expression? Hmm. Because you haven't experienced that sweetness. It can be. It can be. So that's the other point is... um, We've been talking sort of about collective traditions, you know, what the black church tradition, Pentecostal tradition, but expression and gratitude and worship to God is not individualistic, yes. but it's individualized, right? Yes. So the way you worship and express yes. your worship is going to be different from mine, as similar as we are in so many ways, right? So yes. part of it is how are we as Christians judging other Christians on their expression of worship. And I'm not talking about like going beyond biblical teaching or, or whatever, whatever it might be. But if, if you're loud and I'm quiet or vice versa, right. Right. And then attaching like, like a hierarchy of, of maturity or quality of spirituality to those things. Yeah. That's a great question. I think beyond that, I think it's also important for us to acknowledge in the in the communal experience of worship that there is it's a synergistic relationship between what happens in you and what happens in the people around you. Hmm. So in black church, yes. in the black church yes. tradition I grew up in, it was not about me individually. Mm-hmm. It was about we. It was about all of us together. Oh, come magnify the Lord with me mm-hmm. and let us exalt his name together. Sure. That's that's the principle. It was it's communal. a congregational worship. And so that means that there was room for a multitude of expressions that were necessary in different moments. Especially in a time of funeral, you need your people who are really reflective and who are able to be present and who are able to be controlled and contained because it's not the time to get your praise on when somebody died. Sure. <laughs> like, yes, you can praise God through it if the family takes you there, but you're actually needing Weeping to be with reflective weep. And, yeah. and weep with those who weep and adjust to the moment. But when you're talking about a celebration, you need the people who, and it's you need both. 
And you need those expressions and everything in between in different moments. And so I think we don't realize how much worship is communal because again, the Christian industrial complex has made worship a private entity. So we're going to give you extremely high quality worship, powerful reflections, all the above, highly produced, and and we're going to let you experience that in your car. Right, 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 right. And so you feel like you're going in. Yeah. And then we're recording them live, so it makes it feel like it goes to a different level. And so you think, oh, yeah, and then, then you start critiquing the, the house you worship at. Mm. Why can't they sing it like them? Mm. Why can't they sing it like him? Why can't they sing it like her? And, I, I, and, and again, getting back to this idea of shame, it's important for us to embrace all of, all of who we are, all of us. And I'm trying to get better at that, man. Yeah. I'm trying to get better as I get older and hopefully wiser, more mature and looking around, training other people and said, take it there. If you start crying and you start weeping, man, go for it. I'm right here with you. So I'm trying to ascertain in as much as worship is communal and there is such a thing called congregational worship, would you bring up a wonderful point that part of it is feeling together? Yeah. yeah, Right? Yeah. In that feeling together, is there room for multiple expressions? I don't mean at different points in the worship service, but if someone is moved to tears and the other person is not, if someone is moved to stand and the other person remains oh, yeah. seated, it's gotta, it's is gotta be. one person is, and you know, it's the celebration moment and people have their hands up, but you don't. Is oh, that, yeah. is there room for that? Yeah, I don't believe in, in you know... I don't believe in counting people's money or, you know, checking people's worship like that. You know what I'm saying? Right. People are going to express in different ways, right? Like, that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I express in different ways. think that's we need to healthy. make room for. You know, that's important. Jamar, I think we need to do something. I think we need to have a part two to this because I have a couple of things that I want to bring in that I think are important for considering the ways in which we can appreciate diverse worship Hmm. and diverse expression. And I also want to talk about something else as it relates to shame. And that's something completely outside of the worship context. You think that's okay? Can we do that? We got to do that. Okay. All right. Let's do that. Look, y'all, we'll be back on the next episode of Pastor Mike for part two of this discussion. Black Christians, you have nothing to be ashamed of. Stay tuned for it. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.